You fought in the Clone Wars? Yes. I was once a Jedi Knight, the same as your father. Since that, one simple sentence, fans have on different levels been obsessed about thinking, what was the Clone Wars? idea of doing a animated TV series was intriguing to me because it really did allow me to broaden the, the, the canvas of what Star Wars is about. Hello and welcome to Sky Talkers. I'm your host Charlotte. Hey everyone, I am your other host Caitlin and welcome to the Second to last Clone Wars recap. Oh my god! Oh my so god! Sad. <laughs> it's so sad. I thought you were going to say, "Hey, welcome to I'm I'm your host, whatever," and we're depressed because that's how it feels. Yeah, I mean that's also true. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're talking all about the Clone Wars episode seven, twelve, <laughs> 11. 11, 11. 11. and uh, it's called Shattered. Which is apt. It's so perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I actually think it's interesting that this episode was titled Shattered, given how much we were talking about shattering in the last episode with Maul flying through so many windows and stuff like that. Uh, We talked about like that imagery a lot. But it was this episode that was called Shattered, which I think it works for this episode, too. It's just it's just a funny note that we had talked about a lot last week as well. Yeah, that's true. I actually didn't consider that. I I picture this more as emotionally shattered, while last time was <laughs> truly physically shattered. I don't know. The and galaxy is kind of galactically shattered. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Everything is shattered. Yeah. It's a perfect title. It really is. It is. Um, yeah, it is. It's, it's great. And I'm sad. <laughs> that's going to be the theme of this episode. Just I think FYI. that's been the theme of this whole series so far. Anyone who's listening is like, yeah, I get it. Us too. <laughs> <laughs> so we are going to be talking about the episode Shattered. It was directed by Saul Ruiz and it was written by Dave Filoni. Are we going to see Dave directing the last episode? or is okay, it- so he- Here's the thing. I've been thinking a lot about this. I think that we probably will, but I also think that Dave is the supervising director of the Clone Wars where his fingerprints are on everything. And him i'm not lessening Saul ruiz's impact or directing of this episode or anything but i do think that it's a a team effort and clone wars has always kind of been a team effort with a writing room with george's influence with dave kind of leading things and being the supervising director of the clone wars i think he gets kind of pick about certain shots and the way things are are lit with everything that a director does i think that dave does as well in addition to Saul Ruiz. Oh, yeah. I mean, Dave is the showrunner, so that makes sense. So we are going to be starting with a quote, with a more like an excerpt <laughs> from our favorite book ever, The Revenge of the Sith novelization. And guys, I think I had a robber in my house who came and stole only my copy of Revenge of the Sith. <laughs> Charlotte and I were talking about this, and Charlotte pulled this quote, and she was like, yeah, you should read it on the show. And I was like, great. And I went to go reach for my Revenge of the Sith novelization, which usually sits literally right next to my podcasting mic. And it wasn't there. And 
I can't find it anywhere. So I'm having a bit of a panic attack, but you know, it's fine. <laughs> um, it's okay. It's, we're all good. So it's I, all fine here. I don't know where it is right now. <laughs> My apartment's not that big, so IDK. <laughs> and it's been in my podcasting closet for, you know, months at this point. So um, that's concerning. So whatever thief is reading it, I hope you're crying <laughs> because I do <laughs> when I read it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so I'm going to be reading the excerpt from a picture on my phone <laughs> of the book in Charlotte's apartment. <laughs> but this is from the Avengers of the Novelization. It kind of intros Order 66, and we thought it would be good to read because it really does kind of set the tone, I think, for this episode. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, the Clone Wars team were referencing this when they were preparing for these episodes. And what page did you say it was on, Charlotte? 375 is when it starts. So it goes, quote, Order 66 is the climax of the Clone Wars. Not the end. The Clone Wars will end some few hours from now when a coded signal sent by Newt Gunray from the secret Separatist bunker on Mustafar deactivates every combat droid in the galaxy at once. But the climax. It's not a thrilling climax. It's the culmination of an epic struggle. Just the opposite, in fact. The Clone Wars was never an epic struggle. They were never intended to be. What is happening right now is why the Clone Wars were fought in the first place. It is the reason for existence. It is their reason for existence. The Clone Wars have always been, in and of themselves, from their very inception, the Revenge of the Sith. They were irresistible baits. They took place in remote locations on planets that belonged primarily to somebody else. They were fought by expendable proxies, and they were constructed as a win-win situation. The Clone Wars were the perfect Jedi trap. By fighting it all, the Jedi lost. With the Jedi Order overextended, spread thin across the galaxy, each Jedi is alone, surrounded only by whatever clone troops he, she, or they command. War itself pours darkness into the Force, deepening the cloud that limits Jedi perception. And the clones have no malice, no hatred, nor the slightest ill intent that might give warning. They're only following orders. In this case, Order 66. Holdout blasters appear in clone hands. Arc 170s drop back onto the tails of Jedi starfighters. ATSTs swivel their guns. Turrets on hover tanks swings, swung silently. Clones open fire and Jedi die. All across the galaxy, all at once, Jedi die. Okay. <laughs> so much. Like, I can't. I, I like, needed a second. <laughs> I'm continually in in awe of the Revenge of the Sith novelization, but this idea that it's not a a, a climax that we should be rooting for, but instead um, one that was a trap that was laid that was always meant to be. Um, this was written a while ago, and I think it just fits so perfectly with what Dave and the team are doing with the Clone Wars. That I'm, I feel like. Order 66, and I hope that we get to talk about it, but I do think Order 66 is really, it's great is a tough word to use here, but a great moment in Star Wars because it, it means so many different things for so many characters. We can look at it from all these different points of view. Um, we've seen it from from Kanan's point of view. We've seen it from the younglings. We've seen it from Anakin's. We've seen Padme look upon it. We've seen Obi-Wan. We've seen constant Jedi 
um, deal with it. And it, it continues to be a storytelling point that we refer to all the time. And it doesn't ever feel like a major success. Um, not that it should, but it's it's really a, a, a point of tragedy that can be refer, uh, returned to so often. And uh, I really think that this excerpt from Matthew Stover's Revenge of the Sith Novelization really sets it up as you know, the Jedi die, everyone fails, and (laughs) the Clone Wars were all for naught. And it's, you feel that in this episode of the Clone Wars. Yeah, 100%. I think you said it really well, Charlotte. And it's, of course, we talk about this a lot with the Revenge of the novelization, but it's worth remembering and just putting the note out there again, that uh, by Matthew Stover's account, George pretty much did line by line edits in this book. Mm-hmm. And so everything in this book is very specific to what George had in mind for the whole point of all of this. And so this excerpt is just so telling. And you can feel this as the guiding force throughout the entire Clone Wars. It's what, it's what Dave has referenced a lot too. That And what they've even talked about in uh, these last couple of episodes about how I think it was Maul in, the, in last week's episode about how none of this has mattered. And it's just two sides fighting a pointless war uh, with Palpatine at the head of everything. And I mean, even uh, at the end of this excerpt where they're talking about the Jedi Order being spread thin across the galaxy, how many times has this exact verbiage been in the Voice of War's intro to these episodes? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So many times we hear uh, Tom Kane bellowing out, you know, the Jedi, that's spread thin across the galaxy. (laughs) They're now out on this remote planet. (laughs) (laughs) It's all it's all very purposeful, and this this little you know four paragraphs or whatever page just sums it up all so nicely. And we're finally here. Just one note, also, is we talk about how the Clone Wars is so it feels at the end of it so purposeless because it's a a puppet show, really orchestrated by Palpatine, set up to fail. But what I think this episode does so well is reminds us of why we're watching. And it's really to follow these characters that we didn't know anything about when we started it and their own journeys. It's not for nothing. Like at the end of it, as an audience, we're not, oh, man, everything they fought for is destroyed. And I think we think that, but it doesn't lessen our attachment, Attachment. I think, to, yeah, to Rex and Ahsoka, these characters that we knew nothing about before. And we're seeing their experience is is perhaps even more meaningful than knowing that they I don't know I I, I just feel this sense of while we're experiencing kind of this purposeless order and the end of the Clone Wars that meant nothing I don't think that our, our characters journeys meant nothing if that makes sense yeah yeah absolutely I think it's great having this time. I say great, and again, that's just we we keep saying the word great, but, but it's not. <laughs> I'm I so think... so thankful for these episodes, but it's, it hurts. <laughs> Do you remember the first episode of the Siege of Mandalore? And I was like, I know I asked for this, but I actually would like to put it back because <laughs> <laughs> I thought I I thought I was ready, and I'm actually not. <laughs> that's kind of how I felt. I felt throughout this whole arc, but I think it's it's so important getting to see these moments as they're spiraling out from like the center of the galaxy like 
the Revenge of the Sith is the fall of Anakin Skywalker. And so staying close in on his story with Revenge of the Sith, that makes sense. And like his children are the hope of the galaxy. And again, like it's the Skywalker saga. But then getting to see they're not even ripple effects. It, it's just like as like as that power vacuum, like that black hole is forming at the very center of the galaxy in Coruscant, seeing the implications and the ramifications of all of that, all of this time building up to this moment and seeing it affect different characters that we've come to really care about is, I don't know, it's just, it's it's an important story seeing it not from the quote unquote main characters of the Skywalker saga and mm-hmm. seeing how it's affected Ahsoka and Rex and, you know, thinking about it in relation to other people like the Martez sisters. I know we've talked about them before. They're on Coruscant right now. What's happening to them? What is it looking like for people in those situations? And I'm sure in the future we'll get stories of people in the lower levels or even just on on different places in Coruscant when the Jedi Temple burns. And it's kind of crazy witnessing this event from so many different vantage points now. And like you were saying, like just because like the Clone Wars was pointless, our character journeys aren't. And I think that's the great thing about when these episodes were released is that we know where Ahsoka is going and we know that she's going to be a part of Fulcrum. She's going to be an integral part. Like also happy birthday to Ezra. Um, he's <laughs> and Luke and Leia. <laughs> Almost not yet. Yeah. And we know that they're like where they're going. So there's hope in that. I think even as we're watching everything fall apart around them, we know that they'll make it in some form or fashion, even if there are pieces that aren't, filled in yet for their timelines or for their their character journeys. I don't know. I just I I'm really glad for how far we've gotten into Revenge of the Sith. And I think I I think it was last week that I was I just like I'm really grateful to have been all the way to gone through this whole film basically at this point and I'm still surprised that Order 66 is episode three and not episode four and so what else is going to happen like obviously it's still happening right like the the rest of the clones are still hunting them so it's not it's not over but the fact that it it started in episode three which means it will be over at some point in episode four and then we will have this epilogue similar to revenge of the sith (sighs) it's so hard i mean speculation is tough right now because I actually have no idea how this show is going to end. And I actually kind of want to keep it that way, to be honest. I want to be surprised. I want to be kind of delighted in my surprise, even if it's sad. You know, mm-hmm. I think that's okay. You're so right, though. I feel like things have happened so fast in this whole series. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. it's shocking to me. Yeah, it really is. Okay, let's get into our parts, though. And you know what? We just we got rid of part one altogether. So we can't do mystery parts. There's too much to talk about. (laughs) Basically, in part one, we're going to be talking about the story. And part two, altogether now, character. (laughs) So without further ado... Let's get started. So that, of course, was my main focus, is making a Star Wars that George Lucas was proud of, obviously proud enough to want to put it up on the big screen, and we're all thrilled about that. But, uh, you know, hey, fans are passionate, and whether they say for good or for ill about anything, any aspect of it, it's because they love it. 
you know, they, they, they want it to be good. They want it to, it to, they feel an ownership over Star Wars at this point. And I respect that. I mean, in both directions, you know, I, I respect the good things I've heard and I respect when fans says, ah, why is it animated? Yeah, okay, I get it. But, you know, give it a chance and check it out. And I think they'll be surprised because I'm a fan and I like it. Okay, so welcome to part one where we discuss the story. We've been kind of talking about it a little bit, but I think we should probably start with since we've kind of touched on the timeline a little bit, the fact that we're in Revenge of the Sith, it's kind of, we're really here. I think that last episode, we heard the Sidious scream, and there was so much debate online, I guess, of what that means. Has has Anakin already turned? But I think we just witnessed the turn, um, as we see in this episode. So let's just get into where do we start in this episode and where do we end? Yeah, so we start with the Maldalorians and Maul being taken away on Mandalore, which it was this great kind of – the thing about this episode is the pacing of it is so fascinating to watch, and it will be really great to watch all four of these episodes together because things slow down so much in the beginning of these episodes of this episode and I really appreciate it but the ending I thought was really great because we end really similar to how we started part one of the siege of Mandalore with Ahsoka more or less trapped in a situation and it really just kind of like you see the doors opening we saw Maul leering at her from out of the shadows and then the episode ends so I like the parallel there between episodes one and three. And it kind of makes me wonder if we'll see episode four and at all similarly to episode two where Ahsoka is kind of stepping onto a ship or the end of episode two was really this like weight on her, I think, with what she had learned about Anakin and Maul and everything that she knew or that was told to her that she wasn't sure she could believe, didn't want to believe. And then if episode four will end with her you know, with all this new knowledge that all of this has come to pass, but then getting on board the ship for the next step, wherever that is. Right. I think that we've, you're so right about, I think each episode has kind of ended with this shocking piece of information. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, to you're right in part two was this conclusion of Ahsoka basically reflecting upon what she's going to do with it, but it still was this shocking revelation. And it, part two made you feel kind of uncomfortable at the end. You're not 100% sure that capturing Maul was the smartest thing that they could do. And I think in each part, you feel unsure at the end. You know, mm-hmm. you're unsure what's going to happen to Ahsoka with, when, in, with Maul in the underground. You're unsure if Ahsoka made the right choice and the, the galaxy made the right choice in capturing Maul, which I think is really honestly complicated when you stack it up against what Anakin did to Dooku. And you start thinking about what was the right move here in a war that they were, you know, fated to lose anyway. And then in the third episode, you have this revelation of, you know, how widespread the Order 66 is. And these endings, I know it's supposed to be streamed together like a full movie, but these endings really get me when it's, you know, story by George Lucas. And I'm like, oh, my God, <laughs> we're here <laughs> and with no with no concluding music, really. It's always so ominous. <laughs> I never know yeah. how to feel. That's the point. It's just yeah, it's it's just interesting. Yeah. OK, let's talk about the pacing and the setting and tone of this episode, because I think this one has really stood out from the from all three of the siege of mandalore episodes and like we have to talk about the music too it's oh my god (laughs) the first few notes are padme's ruminations 
it mm. when the episode starts, you are immediately put there. I know Kevin Kiner is aware of that. I know he did that on purpose. And I wonder where that came from, whether that was his own artistic interpretation of it or if that was a Dave direction. What do you think that means? Can we kind of blow this up a little bit? Because what is the what does it mean for Anakin and Padme in that moment? And what does that mean by basically mimicking the tone of that here? Well, it's it's funny because the the whole first part of this episode is really pulling on the Revenge of the Sith music. And so I wonder if that's supposed to be our timeline. Like if that's if they're mm. suggesting that like when all of this is happening with Ahsoka, like this is when Padme's ruminations is actually happening and there's that moment with Padme and Anakin where like it's all about to change and you know the we yeah i mentioned like this the first part of this episode is is kind of slow we get like all these like lingering last looks at this world that exists right now and how it's all about to be changed forever and it's it's just kind of fitting because that moment that's that's one of the best moments right in revenge of the sith is that Revenge of the Sith is such a, a busy movie with like a lot of like action sequences and the fact that George pauses in the middle of it <laughs> and is like, no, we're going to stay here. There's no dialogue. These characters are isolated. They're not even together. And we're going to take a really long moment to just look at them because it's the same thing. It's like these last looks at Anakin and Padme and you can tell that they both know that something is coming and we're getting like it's it's a little different for Ahsoka and Rex, I think. Um, but as the audience, we know that, and the music is doing the same thing that it does in that scene in Revenge of the Sith. And I do wonder if it's kind of a timing thing. And and I'm kind of over the camp where at this point I like, do I need to know a day by day schedule for all of these things? I don't know. It kind of stresses <laughs> me out and makes my head hurt. But then I think and like I. Like we talked a lot about last week too, this idea of fractals in the Star Wars universe. I really, really like that imagery and that way of thinking about it. But I do think that the music is kind of cueing us into these similar beats and and perhaps even these exact moments in time. And then the fact that when they're on the bridge, this like beautiful scene between Ahsoka and Rex and you the like twinkling version of the Imperial March is overhead, I lose my mind. <laughs> And it's so good. It's so good. And then, of course, like, again, like this this spiral of these events, uh, like, warping out from Coruscant, right? But it's not fully heard yet wherever Ahsoka and Rex are. So it's just this twinkling that they that we can hear overhead of what's to come, but they still don't know yet. But it's already happening in Coruscant. It's already there. Um, and then her hearing... And then, like, oh, my God. And then, like, as Rex leaves, we get these notes from the Ahsoka Leaves theme, too, as she's heading into Coruscant. But, like, Anakin is about to fall or has already fallen. I don't know. I just (laughs) – That theme, to me, kind of belays the the idea of betrayal Mm -hmm. and what one does with such betrayal. And – I think that's such an Ahsoka thing. Like, that's Ahsoka's whole character, is how does she respond to these certain betrayals? And I think that it's testament to her character constantly that she sees the good in people, that she tries to find a solution, that she doesn't immediately act in anger, despite her spunkiness, despite her her quickfire ability. It's, It's, she's someone who's been constantly honestly constantly betrayed (laughs) and her entire well-being has been 
put on trial a couple of times now and how she reacts is um, that I think that's why they play that Ahsoka Lee's theme a little bit because it's that melancholy of what's going to happen to her, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's that melancholy of now she's really about to be left alone. Yeah. And I think that the, you pointing out that <laughs> that was seen with Rex and Ahsoka on the bridge is so perfect. It's per- It's a perfect scene because first off, the imagery is all there because you look at it and you are immediately reminded of the Imperial bridges, right? The mm-hmm. First Order bridges. And you think of all the bad the sort of evil that is done when you see two characters stand on a bridge like that, right? And yeah. yet we have these two characters who we know in their core are good people. And they are expressing to each other how much like the past three years together have meant to them. Oh my God, I get like a little emotional thinking about it. Cause like, it's just like so crazy <laughs> that we have like 10 plus years of the Clone Wars behind us. Mm-hmm. Well, and you think about, it's just, you think about their first meeting, you know, that everyone loves to reference of, well, in my book experience outranks everything. And Soka says, now I, I guess I better get some. And, and they're just, and he's just like, what are you thinking about? It's just like, they're such friends. And yeah, I think that's the thing that really gets me is that at the end of it, you realize that they're equals. When before, I don't think that they were necessarily equals. And that was what that conversation initially kind of means to me, you know, of like, I'm your superior. No, I'm your superior, you know, and I don't know. They, they're they not on equal footing, really, except they're kind of it's all in it's all in good fun. Right. But mm-hmm. at the end of it, it's they really are on equal footing and they will support each other. Yeah. Yeah, it's just – it's a perfect scene, and I just – I really love the first half of this episode of just taking the time to move through these spaces with these characters. Like, we could have just started with Ahsoka and Rex on the bridge, but instead we walk down the hallway with them, and we get these shots of the clones, like, working these different stations in the ship, and then we go up to them on the bridge, and I just – I really – I really like the the slowness of the first part of this episode. I thought it it worked really well and and coupled with the music, it just it all flowed together perfectly and it just it made sense and I found myself like is this it? Is this it? Is this it? And, <laughs> and then it happened. I was like, "Oh my god, we've made it." And I don't know, there, it's like it's such a weird feeling wanting to get to this point of order 66 but then knowing what all of that entails (laughs) but we've all like right we've all been clamoring to see this play out and now it's here and again i'm like i asked for this but i would like to send it back (laughs) it also just came up so fast to me i didn't expect when rex was like okay gotta go talk to whoever like the next briefing I didn't expect that to be the briefing. Oh, really? The order. No. Oh, I did. I was like, okay, <laughs> we're here. I mean, I think that you you sensing that is just me in denial, to be honest. <laughs> and I I don't know. There's we we love this word on the show, inevitability, but 
really inevitability is hanging over everything in this entire episode, this entire timeline. And the thought of taking these slow, like, crawls of a camera from, like, the bottom angle up and with smoke and the slowness of the music and all this time, it really does hype up the inevitability of everything kind of coming Mm -hmm. crashing down. Yeah. Yeah. It's like seeing everything in slow motion. It does a really good job. <laughs> yeah. I want to talk about, because I, I do think that next episode, the finale, will want to talk about the finale of The Clone Wars. But I, I want to take a little bit of a step back. And now that we have fully 100% crossed over, perhaps one of the most pivotal moments and what everyone was waiting for in Revenge of the Sith, Anakin's turn to the dark side, and Order 66, the entire turning of the war. I want to talk about The Clone Wars specifically as a TV show and what this does for the overall narrative of Star Wars. And I, do we think this does this feel different than Revenge of the Sith? Or does it feel, to me personally, it feels like one story. I feel like I'm watching Revenge of the Sith with some bonus scenes of characters that I've learned to and grown to care about for the like 10 plus years. You know, to me, I feel like this really does underscore Clone Wars's importance within the Star Wars narrative. I would say that this is crucial Star Wars, like really important Star Wars to watch, um, to understand certain downfalls and how uh, citizens and people like Ahsoka, who were tangentially related to uh, the Jedi are affected and how the clones are the examination of the clones. Like for me, I feel like this connection to Revenge of the Sith, like they're really doing it, but they're not doing it in such a fan servicey way that makes me, that takes me out of it, but instead really intertwines the story. Yeah. And I think that goes back to what we've been discussing throughout these three episodes of when and where they choose to drop like these pieces of Revenge of the Sith mm-hmm. and like how we've been tracking with the timeline of that film. I think that was probably one of the biggest challenges of this arc. And I think they've done it perfectly because these things do feel so intertwined and getting to see Obi-Wan and Mace talking about these things that are overlapping directly with certain events. And of course, like the the force, I guess, vision bond that we experience in this episode. I love it. <laughs> I'm just, I'm, I'm really, I said this last week, but I'm really glad that we went so far into Revenge of the Sith. And I feel like that I just didn't expect it. And I'm really glad that they didn't take this approach of treating this this timeline like this space this space with Revenge of the Sith as a sacred time and that like the animation department can't cross over into that timeline because like Ahsoka's not in the film <laughs> and like that was such a small-minded way of thinking about it and I'm really glad that they didn't go that direction and instead just like barreled through it because that's what they have to do and you're right this is essential Star Wars I think if you're a Star Wars fan you should be watching the Clone Wars I think if you're a Star Wars fan you should be watching all of Star Wars <laughs> mm-hmm. but I think that if you're I don't know. I just like there are certain like right. We're big proponents on the show. Like one, we love we love most all of Star Wars, but also you don't have to love all of Star Wars to be a Star Wars fan. Um, that's not a requirement by any stretch of the imagination. 
but it's so hard to watch something like this and be like, whoa, you have to watch this and you have to love it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just I think it's 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 so emotional. Like you said, we've been with these characters for 10 years now and people like us who watched Clone Wars from when it aired, they really have been with us for 10 years. You guys know our Star Wars story and how Clone Wars is a big piece of it. I mean, I've been a Star Wars fan since I was 13 years old, which is right around the time that Ahsoka popped up. So there's very little of my Star Wars life that doesn't involve this show. And so coming to the end of it is just – and the fact that, like, Revenge of the Sith is the thing that, like, really made you a fan for life, Charlotte, and that this is, like, this is where it ends. <laughs> it's just – it is emotional, and it does feel really great. And um, I don't know. It just – it feels – it feels right that the story took this direction and that it was made in 2020 or that it came out in 2020. I'm, I'm really glad that it didn't come out in, you know, 2014. Yeah, that's so weird is that we had such – I felt like we had closure with the ending of The Clone Wars. And yeah. I know a lot of people didn't feel like that, but I said goodbye and now I have to say goodbye again. And it hurts even more now, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. I also think that – just to, to return to the they were so smart about where they included the revenge of the sith and intertwine the stories i i think that of course like everything makes sense that they did here it wasn't nothing felt really fan servicey to me it makes sense that ahsoka would feel the fall of the the empire and everything that has to do with anakin it makes sense that maul would feel that too because we saw in the movie several jedi feel it as well including yoda so I think that, it, it, of course, that makes sense. And, of course, that's our, our coding, really, to understand what's happening in the galaxy. And I still feel like we we stay with these characters. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's, let's shift gears because, like, I'm actually super emotional. Can we talk about the Force coffin? <laughs> this is our second coffin in Star Wars. Well, our third, really. Um we have a lot of coffins, Caitlin, in Star Wars. Coffins are come up a lot. First, yeah, fourth. I, I don't. I, okay, what are what are you counting? I'm counting Padme's coffin. Yes. I'm counting um, Ray's coffin escape pod. Sorry, I'm counting it. And uh-huh. yeah, I'm, that's what I would assume. Okay, great. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm counting Luminara's coffin. Ooh, okay, shivers. Uh-huh. And I'm counting. Mull's coffin here. I guess. Okay, I have another one. I have another I mean, one. Leia, I, like she's not really in a coffin. But. She's not in a coffin at all. Let's, yeah. Okay, so I have another one. Okay. In the interrogation room, um, with Kylo nice. and Ray, the entire wall panels are coffins as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a very distinct shape. I think we would have seen the general wall shape of, uh, you know, the 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 black and white uh, panels mm-hmm. that we always see in Star Wars. If it wasn't purposeful. And yeah. coffins just come up a lot. But regardless, this is a coffin, I think, but it's also a little different. It looks like a piece of carbonite. It is, I think it's like totally steeped in meaning and it makes me so excited. When I saw it, I was like, wow, this is important. We're going to see this again in The Mandalorian. It's it's happening, guys. It's yeah, totally it, happening. Yeah. And it felt, you know, when we, we keep talking about them lingering in moments, but when... Bo-Katan was talking about how 
you know, this is the last one that her sister had all of them destroyed. And this is the only one that they have left. Like, hello, that's coming up again (laughs) in The Mandalorian. But even just the idea that The Mandalorians would have a a device to stop and like swelter force power with such ornate decorations and I've seen people online already analyzing it and it's so fascinating to dig into and I know that these they're not in vain to analyze the artistry behind it because I think the um the the way that it is designed is really similar to the Guernica-esque painting that was in um I think it was in Satine's uh throne room I I'm not 100% remembering correctly, but I could be wrong about that. Regardless, it's this style that is so beautiful. And also, it really does make me think of even that animation style that we saw when the story of the Darksaber was told. It's very Deathly Mm -hmm. Hallows-esque. Regardless, I can't help but think about how there's this one piece of machinery that exists to to extinguish a force user and it is still held by the mandalorians and now in the mandalorian we have a mandalorian din who has a force sensitive child and i i can't help but think that the show will work towards healing this this wound of the past with the mandalorians and the force users since this this existence of this machine that is honestly quite terrible um it denotes that there's a fracture really um, between these two people, obviously. I also, I, this is something I said to you like immediately is that I got such silence of the lambs vibes from this whole thing. And it's so eerie and the way that just mall is completely, you know, wrapped up is, is very silence of the lambs uh, except it's, it's creepy but not as creepy as Silence of the Lambs because I think we all like Maul. So it's 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 interesting. It's just, yeah, again, these like long moments of looking at Maul, looking at things going on outside. Mm-hmm. And when he can't hear the conversation, like I was really surprised when we were put like inside the coffin with Maul and you can see like his breath fogging up the window and he's watching Ahsoka and Rex have this conversation it was really off-putting <laughs> totally but it was it was good it was creepy and it it did the job yeah i think that the co- the relationship between the mandalorians and force users with jedi is just so complicated especially given the dark saber and how that was a jedi or he was with the jedi right am i remembering that correctly i think um, so yeah yeah and then that they would have this device i don't think the mandalorians would say that it's a terrible device and I, when you look at it keeping maul like held back is that terrible because there are force users there are dark siders out there and is it terrible to have something like that that can stop them yeah, it's this. It's just this really complicated issue, right? Of the the Mandalorians and the Force users, and like and like you said, I think it would be crazy if we don't see this come up again in the Mandalorian, given the fact that now we have this Mandalorian with a Force sensitive child. It's just it's another one of those great little things <laughs> that they're sliding <laughs> in, and the art style of it is really fascinating and really great to look at. And it just it it is that's you. When you look at it, you're like, oh, that's Mandalorian. And 
it just is so recognizable and it just really calls to mind all the imagery that we saw that we've seen in other projects but in the mandalorian specifically with the helmets and you know the the crests that they have and the signets and stuff like that it just it all flows really well together there's there's not a gap in the imagery in these different stories and different time periods which as a fan we always appreciate totally i also think that to bring it back to the clone wars there is a step in the right direction that is happening and has happened with Ahsoka's team up with Bo-Katan that I think is is really worth mentioning in that you hope that this this remembrance of when a, a former Jedi or a Jedi, it's to, up for debate, um, helped the, the Mandalorians uh, in this time of the siege. Will it be remembered? That's the question. Probably not, but it would be interesting if it was. Yeah, because it's all falling apart. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Galactically. (laughs) Okay, so um, Order 66 has happened. Where are they going next? Well, they're back. They're going back to Coruscant. No idea where they're going, but I do think it's interesting just in terms of setting that this entire thing really takes place. One, in the gray of Mandalore, and then in the... the, um, the manufacturedness of a ship in barreling through hyperspace. There's some sense of joy that happens when you go to hyperspace, but you didn't really feel that in this episode. But you did feel the sense of being trapped on the ship. That is also very alien. Um, the movie, not like the the feeling. <laughs> and I feel like it's 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 interesting because as we are speaking to the sense of tone, that there really is a sense of uh, entrapment honestly, Mm -hmm. throughout this entire thing. And where they're going next, I think, is to be seen because right now it's really all about how can they get out of that room um, in order to survive. And by even releasing Maul, I think that is one of the most interesting things about this episode is I think we all kind of thought that we had talked about it, that a Maul-Ahsoka team-up was going to (laughs) happen. And then Ahsoka says, I'm not teaming up with you. (laughs) It's so interesting because... I laughed just because of the the irony of it all, but it makes perfect sense to me. Like, I understand why they did it. I also think that Maul has talked about how he thrives in the chaos. And the fact that Ahsoka would use that as a way for her to, like, it, she, she is using Maul's thriving in the chaos in order to save herself and Rex, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. Yeah, the the feel the alien vibe of this episode was definitely there with them being trapped on the ship. Also, took me right back to Brain Invaders. Too. Yes, exactly. Which is an alien reference, yeah. completely. Yeah, exactly. So it's it's all there. Uh, <laughs> Rex did have the other troopers destroy the escape pods too on the ship. So that's probably not going to be an option for them unless they find one that hasn't been destroyed yet. So. The, it really makes you wonder what length they're going to have to go to, through in order to like land somewhere, get off the ship. I've seen some people question if they're going to go back to Mandalore, which I wonder too. We've talked about if they're going to hear the message from Obi-Wan about not returning to Coruscant. Like there's really no telling. Like wouldn't it be crazy if that's where we start the next episode is them hearing – the message to not go back to Coruscant, which means that Revenge of the Sith is over. 
more or less. And that's where we begin the last episode. So we just completely – like by the end of it, we're completely out of Revenge of the Sith timeline. I think I wouldn't put it past them to do that. Like I really have no expectations. <laughs> Maybe in the first 10 minutes. Just the idea of them kind of in this – existing in this in-between of hyperspace with no way out and cornered in with no escape pods – just they're really backed into a corner. <laughs> what are they going to do? Okay, I just had a thought. Think it. Ahsoka existing in the in between is something we've already seen before. Oh, actually, wow. Am I wrong? No. <laughs> <laughs> this idea that Ahsoka has to use almost supernatural, magical ways to get out of a situation is something that is quite Ahsoka and. It's very world between worlds us. Like literally she's existing right now in in between of timelines that we're very aware of. And how is she gonna get out on the other side? We know she does, but it's it's a real question of how. Mm-hmm. Are things gonna get weird? I hope so. I really hope Are so. They? I don't know. What? Like it, it would it would be crazy if it did. I, I just think there there's definitely Is Qui-Gon gonna visit Ahsoka? Oh my god. <laughs> that would be crazy. <laughs> that would be really crazy. <laughs> This episode is filled with missed chances, I think, for Ahsoka to want to talk to Anakin, for her to tell the truth to the council, all these different points of the truth being what she learned from Maul and which she's still personally digesting. But, you know, time's a ticking, as we know as an audience, but all those things are being concealed because she's fully processing it all. And um, I think this that just goes to a greater theme of Star Wars of concealing everyone's emotions. And that's what's happening with Ahsoka here, too. But her existing in the in-between, it's like, how is she going to come out on the other side? It's the same question we asked her um, when she was fighting Vader. So here she is fighting the emotions about Anakin, right? How is she going to come out on the other side? I don't know. <laughs> they're, they're going to. She yeah, has she's to. Go- it's- she's going to. We know she's going to. And she just she's kind of moving into this space too, where she'll be on the in between. If she's working for Fulcrum, she's going to be a part of the rebellion, but not really a part of the rebellion in the way that Bale is. And she's going to be kind of in the shadows, still working alongside the rebellion, but not wholly with it in the ways that others will be. In a way, Ahsoka has always been part of the in between. She's in between movies. She's in between. Anakin and Obi-Wan, she's Ugh. in between the audience's mind of where she exists within the timeline and our familiarity with the saga movies. She's in between the world between worlds. She's in between the rebellion um, and even nothing. The fact that, even the fact that in Rebels, when we see her, that's in between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope. And then when we see her again, it's already outside Revenge of the or Return of the Jedi timeline. Right. And even in this episode, she's in between being a Jedi and a citizen. She's really she's committing to saying a citizen, but Yoda calls her a Padawan and she says not yet, which is a very confusing thing that mm. I hope that we can talk about a little bit later in the character section. But even even just this idea of Ahsoka being the in-between, I think, is really just hammered home co- consistently in the storytelling. And I know Dave is aware of it because and it's, and I also think that it really just goes to Ahsoka being sort of embodiment of the light in terms of the Force, and her her you know her relation with Morai. And we talked about this last time about like whether or not Ahsoka is an instrument of the cosmic force. And I think more of what will go to your discussion about saying that maybe she's not. I think that you could potentially be right in that because she's someone who 
is sort of floating in between the cosmic and the living force in this weird way of um, inevitability. And uh, I don't know. I I just, I feel like there's really something here about Ahsoka uh, being in between. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that was a really good uh, summary of all of it. (laughs) Yeah. It really was. I don't think I can really add to it. Um, What what should we talk about next? (laughs) There's so much. There's so much. Okay, let's kind of on this subject, I guess, of Padawans and training, let's talk about Ahsoka and Rex. We've referenced the conversation that they had on the bridge, but I think just kind of adding to this greater conversation about like really the macro perspective of the Clone Wars and um, let's, like we've been doing, should we read their conversation? Yes, go for it. Who do you want to be? Ahsoka. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So Rex says, something on your mind? As a Jedi, we were trained to be keepers of the peace, not soldiers. But all I've been since I was a Padawan is a soldier. Well, I've known no other way. Gives us clones a mixed feeling about the war. Many people wish it never happened, but without it, we clones wouldn't exist. Well, perhaps some good did come out of this. The Republic couldn't have asked for better soldiers, nor I a better friend. Yeah, so this conversation hurts a lot, and... <laughs> and then they salute, and it's like, oh my god, remember? Yeah, and then he points a gun at her. It's a blaster, so... Well, oh my god. <laughs> all good things, all good things. <laughs> but just the, you know, Ahsoka realizing that this isn't... That this all of this was never the Jedi way, and um, talking about this greater journey of her throughout, and in the last Clone Wars download or in the discussion about Ahsoka with George and Dave, I'm not really sure which <laughs> behind the scenes feature at it was, but um, Dave was talking about like, there is something really special about seeing Ahsoka's journey. Like there, there aren't that many characters that we get to experience for 10 years in this kind of format uh, of really spending time with these care of, of with a character to really watch their journey. And, you know, you think about Ahsoka in the Clone Wars movie and, and then the first couple of seasons, and she just wants to do everything herself. She wants to do it herself. She wants to be the best. She wants to be a good soldier. She wants to fight, 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 fight. And then everything that she's learned has culminated. It's come to this moment where she's recognizing that that's actually not the Jedi way. And, but then there's this parallel, right, with the clones that she was raised just like Rex was. She was raised to fight. And the like, is there really a difference between the clones and the Jedi, especially younger Jedi like Ahsoka, where all she's ever known is war and she was plucked out of the Jedi Temple to be Anakin's Padawan. And we've talked about the differences between how Padawans were chosen for masters in Dooku Jedi Lost versus what we see in the Clone Wars, where they're just shipped out on cargo transports <laughs> into the middle of a battle when she's 13 years old. <laughs> Like, there's not a difference between Ahsoka and Rex in that Mm -hmm. vein. And it just – it is really devastating, I think. And I think Ahsoka realizes that in this moment, um, even though she doesn't really verbalize it. And she's kind of, you know, making Rex feel better, I think, about, like, well, I'm glad that you're here. And I think maybe she hasn't even realized it yet that, like, 
we're the same <laughs> and our purpose is the same. And I don't think – I take it back. I don't think she has realized that yet because she doesn't have this macro perspective that we have quite yet of all of the events that have unfolded within – Revenge of the Sith and and what she's doing right now. I don't think she's realized the extent to it. Maybe by the end, she does when Rex says, you know, it's all of us. All of us have this inhibitor chip. And then when she will reflect later on Maul's conversation with her, because Maul basically says that, that the Jedi have uh, been used by the Sith for this whole thing. It's just, yeah. (laughs) It's extremely good. Um, I think you're right that she hasn't necessarily reflected on it, but I do think that even from a macro perspective of understanding the themes in Star Wars, you know that Ahsoka and – so Ahsoka and Rex are very similar in a lot of ways, and I think that you know that they will have each other's backs, especially after this moment, and I think – the moment even when she shows up after Rex has um, kind of executed the order and they they trap him, her, the droids and her trap him in that one corridor and she appears as a hologram and then right behind her, loved that staging, thought it was perfect. Mm-hmm. And I I think that the idea that Ahsoka will see the good in the, the true essence of who um, – who Rex is as a person, not just a clone, not just a soldier, is extremely Star Wars. And to me, I think, honestly, this whole exchange, this idea that Ahsoka would kind of risk it all to help Rex, because without him, they're dead, but also without without getting to the bottom of it, there's, there's really no... Um, she can't rest until she gets a little bit to the bottom of it, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that the, the idea of seeing the good in Rex is extremely star wars and seeing the good in the clone wars and understanding that these soldiers have been raised to do um evil and that it's it's not their fault like when she says it's not rex's fault it really really broke me but also it really to me proved how one person can heal someone who didn't choose to be this way you know didn't choose to almost kill his friend ouch yeah, I know it hurts, but it like it completely yeah. goes with the themes of Star Wars, and in, in fact, I think does a bet. I don't want to say this, but it does a better job of healing the past than the Rise of Skywalker did. It it does a better job of you know getting to the bottom of why raising soldiers is terrible because they have no choice, you know. And Ahsoka kind of instills that choice back in Rex. Of course, it's a violent manner of removing a chip from his brain. That's crazy, but it 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 is just a, a a machine part of Rex at, at his core. He's a, a good person who doesn't want to kill his friend. Yeah, I think when you – that line that you referenced of Ahsoka saying, Rex, it's not your fault, she says that to him before the inhibitor chip is out. And I think that's just so important, like you were saying, of this greater theme of, of Star Wars, of recognition and just seeing the good in people Uh, you know of course we have Padme's line that is has already been said is about to be said (laughs) there's (laughs) there's still good in him and the fact that Ahsoka knowing that standing before Rex like that can mean certain death and still like in what could potentially have been her last words (laughs) to say Mm -hmm. Rex it's not your fault and there is just something really powerful. And I think that, you know, I think The Last Jedi started to give us that with Ray and Ben of them coming 
together, like like talking about healing the past and stuff like that. But you're right. I don't think that, you know, I don't think that the Rise of Skywalker delivered on that. And I think that the Clone Wars is. Yeah. <laughs> and seeing these complications with these people and the conversation that they had after and and like it is different right like i don't want to draw a one-to-one between like someone like anakin or ben falling to the dark side is not the same as rex having an inhibitor chip which made those choices for him totally right there is the difference between the two and i want to make sure that everyone knows that we all know that there is a difference between them but i think like they are asking you like ahsoka has been this whole arc has been about pairs it's been Ahsoka and Bogatan. It's been Ahsoka and Maul. It's been Ahsoka and Rex. And I think they're asking you, and like, especially like Ahsoka and Maul and Ahsoka and Rex, I think they're asking you to compare the other pairs that we see in Star Wars, whether it's Anakin and Obi-Wan or Anakin and Padme, Obi-Wan and Padme, Rey and Ben, Rey and Kylo, like these differences. I think they want you to compare how all of these things are going on. Again, like fractals in Star Wars, such a cool concept. And I think that this is this is like a different iteration of a relationship between two people that suddenly find themselves on opposite sides which is what rex and ahsoka found themselves on but that didn't matter because ahsoka was still committed to reaching out to him and doing whatever it took to try and bring him back and i think we see that with padme with ray even with like leia and han of leia going all the way to tatooine and doing everything she can to try and get han back I think that and and like Obi-Wan going to Mustafar to see what he can do for Anakin and then realizing that he can't like that's the difference. I just like all these pairs. There's a reason why we're kind of zoning in on two (laughs) Mm -hmm. because there's always like, you know, balance is a big theme in Star Wars and the friction between people and Ahsoka and Rex have always been on the same side. And so to have this moment when they're not in kind of the biggest way possible of of literally flipping a switch and suddenly all of that history is gone in an instant and it's really powerful and seeing Rex fight against that to the best of his ability, like how much did that take from him to even say what little he was able to say to Ahsoka and to say, you know, it, it'll be me. Like, I'm going to do it. I'll kill her when that's like both a true thought, but also him buying time for her as well. It's just I really like it. It's so good. It also goes back to even the last arc of us realizing and putting a line to it that Ahsoka will do anything to help people. Of course, she's going to help Rex, but this is the core of who Ahsoka is. And I think just even to take a step back about how Dave has talked about, even from the beginning of season seven, about how each of these arcs are going to inform. So we have the the Rex Bad Batch arc and we have Ahsoka's Walkabout arc and how is it going to inform the Siege of Mandalore arc where we're in right now. In Ahsoka's arc, we learn that she will do anything to help people. And of course we've known that, but it is solidified and she's able to kind of take the, the next couple steps in order to get her to the Siege of Mandalore. But in, in the Bad Batch arc, I think we are solidifying the fact that Rex is able to trust his instincts, that the Jedi give him that Anakin, specifically his friend, give him that ability to to lead and to go off of instinct, which is a very Jedi thing to do. Mm. And I think that it's in this moment when Rex, like you say, 
is probably doing everything he possibly can to to tell Ahsoka fives fives, you know, um, that is instinctual. And he has to be able to trust his instincts about, you know, something isn't right here. Us clones, we haven't been treated properly at all. And that seven seasons of the Clone Wars, I mean, big purpose is to peel back this this thought that the clones are faceless, nameless clones, right? And I think that it is faceless being we only know Jango Fett, whatever. So I think that it's it, it, the fact that what we learned in Umbara, everything that Fives went through, it all comes to a head here. Their sacrifice and their learnings, it saves Rex. But all that is from instinct, this idea that Rex knows that something is was up. And that even that small act, I mean, I'm I'm actually like going to be curious about like if people are going to go back and rewatch some of those arcs with fives because they are some of the best Clone Wars, no doubt, that really gets to the bottom of the inhibitor chip. And I think we've we've talked about that in speculation about how um, this was all going to come back around. But this idea that Rex has to basically go against a piece of programming that is in inside himself to act on instinct and to tell uh, Ahsoka to follow the clues um, is really, I'm so glad that they did that, that we have Rex as a character who's able to kind of, of all he's known because he's on this in, in this position for him to know things and to work really closely with kind of roguish Jedi like Anakin Skywalker also, you know, that Ugh. he's able to kind of think like that, you know? Yeah, it's just like the whole story is just so delicious. I <laughs> it, it totally is. <laughs> I mean, the the horrible irony of it all, right, is that the Clone Wars show was a big piece of that, like you said, was about peeling back the layers of who these people are. And in that um, discussion between David Collins, Dave Filoni, and George Lucas, George talked about this, right? And he was saying, you know, this was part of the point. We wanted – you know, like they were all, you know, manufactured and they all grew up in this similar environment. But like anyone, they developed personalities of their own. And then the end yep. of the story is taking that away from them. That's the end. That's the end of the line. It's taking all of that away from them. <laughs> it's it's horrible. And and then the 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 other side of this whole thing too is that Rex right learning to trust his instincts he he has not a special privilege but um he had a unique place in the Clone Wars by being Anakin's like commander and so a lot of what he learned about trusting instincts or what he gathered and and grew on his own too but a lot of that was influenced by Anakin but then Anakin is the cause for all of his brothers losing their free will mm-hmm. and their identity but that's what saved rex part of what saved rex wow i mean mm. that's kind of the entire story right anakin is partially the cause of what the, the the fall of the republic but at this at the end of the day anakin is also the one that saves it at the end yeah so. and he was a pawn in it himself just like mm. that's what Maul says in the last episode. He's been groomed for this role as my master's new apprentice. He was groomed for it. And for as much as you can place blame, there's also – he was also a victim of it too. Yeah. It's both. I mean that's that's what this story is telling you. It's not one or the other. And, you know, I think about what, like I said, 
what are Rex and Ahsoka, how far are they having going to have to go in the next episode? And by that, I mean, are they like how many clones are they going to have to kill themselves? Um, the kind of emotional toll that will have on both of them. Yeah, even watching Rex kind of shoot down, not kind of, definitely shoot down the the clones that were trying to get into the room after the surgery. It was, it's crazy. I mean, I talk about feeling something about droids, you know, and the the battle droids and everything when when they're kind of gunned down these days. But you feel something about the clones that are trying to kill Ahsoka and Rex when Rex has to kill his brothers, right? It's so mm-hmm. crazy. It's so much. And not to mention, they have Ahsoka's face painted on not, their- not. On their helmets. And I, we knew this was going to come back around. Like, we all knew that those helmets were going to turn on Ahsoka. But to see it in action is just, ugh. They're hunting so- her down after they somehow obtained acrylic paints in the galaxy far, far away and painstakingly painted these helmets to say, ah. hello, we love you. Welcome back. <laughs> Actually, we're going to kill you because we have no other choice. It's... Mm. Yeah, it it just yeah. It I wonder what is going to happen in the next episode because Rex and Ahsoka don't see each other for a long time after this. That's true. And, and you know it. This whole like theme of concealment, right? It just it's so good. It's so tragic. It makes my heart so heavy. Rex knows what Ahsoka heard. He knows that she doesn't tell Maul. And like we were talking about last week, this conversation of between Obi-Wan and Ahsoka that could happen in the next episode where they don't tell each other what they know because they don't want to give that burden to the other. And so they just like live in this – they isolate themselves emotionally and physically. And then depending on like who knows what Ahsoka and Rex will have to do tomorrow, next week – in a couple days to get out of this situation or a couple days, I mean, like when we'll see it. And if what happens between them is so much that to live with the other person or to be with the other person, like to move forward into this next step is just like a reminder of everything that they had to do. If you want to like a show about morality, you should definitely watch The 100. But there's like this whole um, plot in The 100, a TV show about like genocide and having to make like the difficult choice in order to save your people and it's it's really good it's really intense and the lead character at the end of this whole journey when she does what has to be done she walks away from everything and the characters her like friends are like why are you doing this like don't be alone in all of that like in your pain like we all went through this together and the lead character clark she says I can't be with you because looking at your face is just going to remind me of what I had to do to make sure that you were safe. And I can't do that. And I just like, I find myself thinking a lot about that line. She says, looking at their faces every day, is just going to remind me of what I had to do to get them here and like how painful that is. And it just makes me wonder if Ahsoka is going to be in a similar situation at the end of all this and everything that she can't say to Obi-Wan about what she knew about Anakin and what Obi-Wan is not going to say to her about what happened with Anakin because if he has to tell Ahsoka that he left Anakin to burn (laughs) on a cliffside after he fell to the dark side like Obi-Wan's not gonna be able to tell Ahsoka that I just like I have this image of the two of them on Bale's ship just sitting silently and then leaving because what else can they say everything is lost 
Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sad. <laughs> That's all this episode is, is us being like, look at how sad this is. It's so sad. Look at it. <laughs> look yeah. at it. Stare at it. <laughs> okay, in a more happy note, just to kind of round out our conversation about story in this episode, I loved the use of the droids in it. I felt so perfect to me that Ahsoka would seek help from the droids and the droids would be so willing to help and that it felt so George Lucas. George Lucas loves droids. He loves R2-D2. He loves including anything with R2-D2. And I think that Ahsoka has always been kind to droids, almost too kind. Like we all we all remember Goldie, right? <laughs> and I think <laughs> How can we forget? I, we, we can never forget Goldie. And I just think that it's perfect that the droids would help her in the end that it, with no no hesitation. And of course they would. And they're so happy to. And it really kind of takes you back into it's just so Star Wars, right? We're so sad. But instead we have these you know adorable robots who are helping our protagonist uh, get out of probably the worst situation ever. <laughs> and it's great. Yeah, I remember the first time I watched this episode, I was like, the, it felt so tonally different, the conversations with the droids. And it kind of, in a way, it almost felt off to me. But then when I watched it the second time, I was like, no, we absolutely need this. And we need to have kind of these moments of levity a little bit throughout this whole thing because, like, holy crap, Order 66 is happening. And I just, it, it worked. Like, I, I love it now, and I, I'm totally on board with what you were saying. Like, it's great to see Ahsoka just, like, come to them, and all these droids just surround her, like, little puppy dogs. Like, what's happening? What's going on? What's going on? And she's like, I what's don't up? know. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> and then <laughs> when they tranquilize Rex and their <laughs> – the tone the way that Ashley delivered this line I think it was so perfect and when she says remember we're trying not to hurt him it just really brought me back to like very young Ahsoka and how she would like kind of joke about these situations and she hasn't had a ton of that in these past couple episodes like that tone of voice because these are all very serious things happening so it was nice to get this moment this like very brief moment with her of remember we're trying not to hurt him like <laughs> kind of <laughs> chilling even though she's about to go take him into like brain surgery <laughs> casual brain surgery casual brain surgery okay are we ready to move on to part two <laughs> yeah let's do it the jedi order is your life you can't just throw it away like this ahsoka you are making a mistake maybe but i have to sort this out on my own without the council and without you Okay, welcome to part two where we're talking about character. I felt like we've meandered around character a lot already, as we usually do. <laughs> but let's start with Ahsoka. <sighs> she's still trying to get a message to Anakin. Everyone is like, hey, looks like you want to talk to Anakin. Do you want me to tell him something? And she's like, no. But literally everyone can see it <laughs> written on her face that she is trying to talk to Anakin. <laughs> and Here's the thing about this is that I know we've talked about this potential and how much we want Ahsoka to try to contact Anakin, all these things, right? Mm-hmm. And they've teased it every single episode <laughs> that Ahsoka just needs to talk to Anakin. And I really think that it can go two ways of Ahsoka talking to Anakin and something is wrong or attempting to talk to Anakin and it's too late. She feels he's dead or something um, or she never gets the chance. And both are com- extremely tragic. 
by teasing it, it's it really does aid to the the tragedy that is the Revenge of the Sith period. But it's they keep teasing it, and it just hurts me. It breaks me down. <laughs> no, is it, is it just a tease or is it just pain? <laughs> uh, to me, I think every single line in these episodes of the Clone Wars is important and has something to do with the story. These episodes have been in in the works for so many years that everything that is included is important. It's not haphazard. This is an important moment that Ahsoka will try to really wants to speak to Anakin, but now she will never get the chance to speak to Anakin again. That's the crazy thing is that the next time yeah. if she does talk yeah. to you, it'll be Vader. <laughs> so it's it's if she even if she tries, I think that it it will lead to us understanding when she sees Anakin later in in the in rebels and when she sees vader and how that whole scene plays out she's surprised by it but is she just hiding those feelings of doubt about what he's become i mean or is she more shocked by his appearance of in the mask i think that that could also be a thing you know because we've talked about this obviously about her speaking to anakin before he you know before padme gets to mustafar or speaking to Padme before everything goes down. What what is Ahsoka's reaction going to be when she finds out Padme's dead? When she finds out Anakin is dead? Is she going to find out I we we to ask this last question, but I'm like is she going to find out about Luke and Leia? She could be someone who knows. <laughs> I just like <laughs> What if Anakin sends her a hollow? It's not a conversation, but he sends her a hollow to come to Mustafar. Oh my god. But why would she go there? I don't think Anakin even really wants to go there. He's already crying. Oh my god, but he's crying when wow. Who yeah. knows? Yep. When she, when Padme arrives, wh- what was he doing? He's just kind of like standing there. So <laughs> there's there's definitely room. Of course, for for pain, but I do think <laughs> that they're constantly kind of teasing this and it really could I it it might just lead to nothing and that in itself is tragic. But yeah. it could get complicated. I just keep thinking about Sam Witwer's line about stuff that you didn't know that, that happened, happened. Uh-huh. And I'm just like, what's going to happen? Yeah. <laughs> it just, it stresses me out so much. <laughs> because if she's, yeah, I do think she could definitely be someone who knows about Luke and Leia. But then would she ever, you know, we we started the series with the, this this season of, you know, Obi-Wan acknowledging that he basically knows about Anakin and Padme, Rex acknowledging that he knows about Anakin and Padme, <laughs> and uh, Ahsoka essentially knows about Anakin and Padme. So it's it's just confusing because if she were to find out about Luke and Leia, but it was never really said that it was her and Anakin's children, would would it just be kind of unsaid it probably would because this is star wars and people don't talk about their feelings and it's that in itself is also quite tragic i don't know <laughs> just i have no idea <laughs> it's like what. everyone knows but no one's talking about it yeah like we're just not gonna talk about it so yeah. is obi-wan just gonna show up <laughs> with luke and be like hey so i'm going to tatooine yeah, his last name's Skywalker. It's Pat- fine. Padme is <laughs> gone. Anakin is gone. I'm going to Tatooine. And Ahsoka's like, okay, are we going to talk about the baby that you're holding? <laughs> Distant baby crying. <laughs> and Obi-Wan is like, this baby? 
And it's like, <laughs> what are you talking about? It's just yeah, a youngling I rescued. That baby. <laughs> <laughs> What's, where did this child, weren't you just with Anakin and he died? Where did this child come from? <laughs> Obi-Wan is like, you mean this baby that I'm holding? That's what you want to know about? <laughs> and Ahsoka's like, yes. <laughs> Obi-Wan goes, I'm sorry, citizen. That's for the council to discuss. And Ahsoka oh, is like, holy she's like there is no council and he's like oh that's my ship and walks away gotta go see you never (laughs) yeah (laughs) oh this baby (laughs) honestly what do you mean these two babies who knows (laughs) obi-wan's trying to juggle luke and leia before bail gets there And Ahsoka's like, do you need help with these children that have No, no, I'm good. I'm good. He's like, which children? (laughs) You don't need to know about this. He tries to put them in his big Jedi sleeves. (laughs) He succeeds with one, but not the other. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad we came to this point. (laughs) Yeah, same. (laughs) We needed to. We really did. (laughs) Okay. <laughs> all right. So, um, all right. Let's talk about Ahsoka's line in here that I feel like no one has been talking about, and it's a big deal. So, her conversation with the Jedi Council, right, when she calls herself a citizen, and Yoda says, Ahsoka says, I did my duty as a citizen in capturing Maul, and Yoda says, not as a Jedi, and Ahsoka says, no, not yet. WTF. Right? It is. Is she trying to earn her way back? Is she still deliberating whether she wants to come back? At this point, it's a possibility. I mean, she doesn't know it's not a possibility, but it is a possibility that she could, you know, join up with them later. Is she kind of testing the waters with how she feels about it? She's already sparred with Obi-Wan a little bit about how her emotions and being cast out and, you know, the council's blindness and everything. Is she just waiting for things for the war to be over and to see how how it would even look to not be a soldier? You know, I can totally see that from her perspective. She's is in a way she's still on her walkabout, still trying to find her her way. But she again is is uh, existing in this in between. She's just unsure, and who isn't unsure when they're you know seventeen, eighteen years old. Yeah, it just it this line really shocked me because it just like seeing her with Mace, I was like, ugh. <laughs> I was I so angry. <laughs> and then Yoda's like Padawan, you know, yeah. after after Mace refers to her as citizen, it's it's this interesting thing where do the people on the council just really have no idea how to talk to her? You know, when when Mace is like I heard your mission was a success. She's not like, yes, it was. The, this is how it went down. She says it with this almost this gravitas, this melancholy of it. Yeah, it was, you know, it was a success. But what are we going to do? You know, what's next? And she's kind of shielded from even knowing that. 
Yep. <laughs> it just, I, I do appreciate how in these episodes, Ahsoka has gone back and forth with her opinions about the Jedi and how she talks about them and specifically how she talks about them depending on who she's with. I think it's just really telling of kind of the turmoil that she's in right now as far as her walkabout is concerned. And again, this is all pre-Order 66. And I really like the idea of her questioning whether or not she made the right decision. And I think we see her in these little pieces that she's dropped actively talking about that, even with her discussion with uh, Rex about what Jedi are supposed to be versus what they have actually become and what they actually are. And then even with the conversation with the council, when they talk about uh, how Grievous has been killed and Ahsoka says, then that means like the war is almost over. Like the war could be finished soon. And it's kind of like this hopeful idea that if the war is finished then the jedi won't have to be warriors anymore and maybe she could come back and be a jedi as they were supposed to be but then all of that is stolen from her too wow yeah you know pain (laughs) constant pain (laughs) i know it well (laughs) let's talk about the rogue one vibes in this episode specifically with ahsoka and rex saying i'm one with the force and the force is with me i was surprised by this it not it didn't take me out of the episode but i was thinking about what this meant for ahsoka and how she learned these words and why in this moment she held on to these words above anything else um what did you think about this i was so surprised to hear this (laughs) It really, I think we all were. I think it just really speaks to what the Jedi should be and what they're not. And it really does, for me, like play into this bigger conversation of how the Force is treated across these, across different organizations. The fact that the Jedi Temple in Coruscant sits on a Sith Temple, but there are also, like, we have characters like Kastana who are very aware and knowledgeable about how the Jedi used to operate you know, years and years ago before they lost their way. This really spoke to me about that whole theme of returning to what Jedi really should have been during this period. This is very much, I mean, this is Guardian of the Wills, right? Rogue One. Mm -hmm. Um, But it really did feel like something that was probably a part of the Jedi themselves at one point too. And either somehow Ahsoka learned of it or the Force just gave it to her. I think that's also really possible, too. It could be both. And mm-hmm. even you could think about how Rex is saying those words. I mean, I, I promise you he didn't know those before, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think that to your point of the Force kind of bringing those words to her lips or something like that, I think the same could be said about Rex in that moment. And I, you're so right that I think it really does call back to um, those times of the Jedi of old and how Ahsoka is finding her way to exist in this in-between and to be really the embodiment of light. I think that with the Guardians of the Wills and the protectors of the the Kyber Temple, I think that that was the first time we saw that that really is not just the the origin of the Jedi kind of take like it, if we take a step outside of the story, you know, that was in the original screenplay of Star Wars. It's really from the beginning of George Lucas's Star Wars. And here it is again, kind of really taking us back to um, the what it means to be uh, on the light, you know, a protector of the light. That's kind of how I interpreted it. It was uh, Ahsoka tapping into this in-between. Yeah. 
It's great. I, I really liked it. Also, not just this moment, but even with Maul in the hallway is very reminiscent of Vader in the hallway. And I think that just in general, we didn't talk about this in the story section. Perhaps it is more story-esque, but we, you know, this episode in a way is like the Rogue One of Revenge of the Sith in that it goes right up against it. It's a, it's a retelling of something we already know. It's uh, it's mm-hmm. a continuation of these side characters, you know, and to have this mall scene also that was quite terrifying, but super, super badass, you know, I think yeah. is is the same <laughs> as it was in Rogue One. And to me, I think that those two tones of uh, that movie and the Siege of Mandalore, it really worked. It worked for me. And even with this quote, it really takes you back to um, that moment. Yeah, it's kind of cool how they're doing these very obvious parallels with, you know, The Last Jedi Throne Room and then this with this direct quote from Rogue One and then also the hallway scene with Maul is, you know, very much a Darth Vader Rogue One vibe to it. Yeah. And but then also having that little piece of the Mandalorian in there at the end, too. Right. <laughs> with the arm. I was like, he's doing it. He's doing it. He's doing it. <laughs> <laughs> he did it. <laughs> it really was a very formidable scene with Maul in that hallway. And it was freaky just seeing what he was able to do without any weapon. And Vader had his lightsaber. Maul didn't True. have his. <laughs> True. And Vader really didn't succeed. But it looks like Maul is succeeding. I mean, to we know to the point that we know. We we still yeah. don't really know what I, happens with Maul next. I love the idea. Right. We've we've talked a lot since we had Katie on about see, only seeing 10% of what Maul is ever up to at any given time. And in this episode, we really just saw him go through this one part of the ship and then we didn't see him again for the rest of the episode. So where has he found himself <laughs> in the time that it's taken Ahsoka to perform open surgery on Rex. <laughs> no, he's he's coming back. We're gonna he's, see. He's like him in again, the bridge. Obviously. He's on the bridge. He's like got control of the ship now. <laughs> I just wonder if now there's gonna be there's already this strained mutuality between Maul and Ahsoka, right? This this exchange of knowledge, but now we have Ahsoka letting Maul go free, and you know Ahsoka saying, "Don't let me regret this." If you're right, I mean, I know you're joking there about like Maul having control of the ship, but that's very possible. Mm-hmm. And in 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 a way, if Maul does get the upper hand in as he thrives in the chaos of it all, he might let Ahsoka go, you know, because he Ahsoka let him go. <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah. yeah, it does. I just I love how he was I love their conversation where you kind of feel this ominous music building behind him. He's like Yes, you've done the right thing. Now follow my lead. And the music cuts off and Ahsoka goes, No, I'm not here to team up with you. And he's like, What? <laughs> and we're like, all like, What? <laughs> he's like building this like whole speech in his head. He's like, Great, I didn't know the plan, but now I see the plan. And you did the right thing by coming to be. And now together we will over. <laughs> Just like, n- no, <laughs> no, that's not how it goes. Small. Nope. <laughs> and then the delivery too of her line, when he's like, "Could you give me a fighting chance?" And she's like, "I don't think you get it. I'm not rooting for you." <laughs> it's it's funny because it's a little meta. I'm rooting for Ahsoka and Rex, but I'm also kind of rooting for Maul at this point. Yeah. So to have Ahsoka kind of call this out, I'm like, 
But I kind of am. I know. Yeah, guys. we are. We are. <laughs> especially the, now. Especially because we know he's all like, crumbling. Yeah, the galaxy's crumbling. We know he lives. So it's how does he get from point A to point B? And I, I want to see him in action. And that's why I think that that scene in the hallway works really well with Maul because you're like, wow, this is super uh, like awesome and violent in in a way that only Maul can be, you know? Mm-hmm. And you're kind of like, yeah, go for it. Create that distraction, like as Ahsoka said. And in that way, you're rooting for him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was good. I'm excited to see what he's gotten up to. <laughs> I just um, want more Maul. This entire arc is like, give me the Maul show. Bring back Maul. Like, I need the next piece of Maul. Hira. Yeah, Maul and Hira, give me. Give <laughs> Grabby hands. <laughs> yeah, literally grabby hands. Yeah. Okay, so back to talking about Rex. Um, I think we talked a lot about him before, but I think something that's so great about... First off, Dee Bradley Baker's uh, voice acting in this is really great. Also, Rex definitely looks way better than he used to <laughs> in this episode. Like, <laughs> Feeling had, some I've sort had an of awakening. Way. Yeah, I've had, I've had a little bit of an awakening. It's, it's great. It feels good. When Rex calls Ahsoka kid after how he has the chip removed, uh, it felt so familiar. It felt so right. It really brought me back to like, no, Rex is going to be okay. Like they're going to make it through this. And to me, as as someone who, you know, two episodes ago, we had him specifically calling uh, Ahsoka commander every single time. But now they're they're on equal footing because nothing matters anymore. And I really liked that inclusion of the line. Yeah, I did too. Um, yeah, I feel like we we did talk a lot about Rex in the last uh, section, but it just makes me sad because, you know, talking about Rex always discusses the clones as like us clones, gives us clones. It's it's a grouping. It's not even just clones. It's us clones. He says that a lot. I, I know that the diction that they developed for the clones was very specific and obviously D does all of that and he did it. He does it so well. And um, but now now it's he's not a part of that us anymore because he has the chip removed and the others don't. And now his us is with Ahsoka. It's not us clones anymore. It's him and Ahsoka. And there is a severing there between them and between Rex and the rest of the clones. And there's something really sad about I mean, it's all really sad, but particularly sad about that, given that his last conversation with Ahsoka about the clones, it was very much like us clones when it existed. And, you know, that whole dialogue of the way that he talks about being a clone and being in charge of his brothers and things like that. It's it's very special and it's gone. Um, but the, you know, before he had his chip removed, just something worth noting that definitely comes into play later on, as we see in Rebels, is, you know, him saying that clones who haven't, don't complete their orders in executing Jedi will also be executed as traitors. And now he is one of them. He mm-hmm. is a traitor. And that's the clones are definitely going to pick up on that. <laughs> and I don't think we talked about this, though, but I really enjoyed how we actually got description of what Order 66 is <laughs> specifically. And let me go find the quote from Mace um, or from Maul. I'm sorry. From Rex. Good Lord. And 
Rex says, all right, we know Ahsoka Tano is on board. She's been marked for termination by Order 66. Under this directive, any and all Jedi leadership must be executed for treason against the Republic. Any soldier that does not comply with the Order will also be executed for treason. Um, like, could Ahsoka be dealt any worse of a hand? Like, no. <laughs> she no. was marked as a Jedi. And Palpatine, that SOB, didn't go back and unmark her once she left the Jedi Order. <laughs> <laughs> Like a cl- a clerical oversight. <laughs> Not fair. It isn't. <laughs> yeah. So, so I'm really glad that we got that little piece of what the order actually says. I think that was important, and it's it's fun to actually have that in the like within the story. But yeah, it was like she's been marked for termination. I'm like she left the Jedi. <laughs> Give her a break. Give her please. just a little break. But they do also say um, execute Maul. So there's obviously – obviously Palpatine went in and put in some exceptions to the any and all Jedi leadership rule. And he was like, you know what? Let me just also add some of the people that I hate <laughs> that <Yeah>. aren't Jedi. <laughs> my my hit list, if you will. <laughs> yeah. You just like copy and paste that into yeah. the Order 66 Google Doc. <laughs> Oh my god. That gets shared so with all the so with all the clone troopers. Yeah. It's like you get extra points if you can take out Maul. That's awful. It is awful. It is awful. Okay. Lastly, let's talk about Bo-Katan. Yeah, I we didn't get a ton of Bo-Katan in this episode, but kind of the really the only thing I wanted to comment on about her is I really liked her last discussion with Ahsoka talking about when she says, I wish I was good at something other than war. And um, then she says, my sister tried that. I never understood her idealism. And I really appreciate how this like this was the end of the conversation. You know, I think in a lot of other shows, you might have a character like Bo-Katan who has come to the end of this horrible war and occupation on Mandalore, of course, not knowing what's coming, but saying something like, now I understand her idolism or I'm going to bring peace here. Or like the war is over on Mandalore. Maul is gone. We can have peace now. I really like that she doesn't offer up that conclusion um, to like her thoughts or her hopes for Mandalore or that things are going to be better now um, because she doesn't have that idolism yet. And I don't think she necessarily believes that yet. I just really appreciate it that that was left open-ended that again just because like the occupation is over that is not a direct correlation to peace or things being better and I really liked how they didn't in a way they didn't like finish that thought from Bo-Katan because I don't think she's finished it herself and what that means for Mandalore I just thought it was like a really nice kind of small not small but um piece of this episode yeah as we know Bo-Katan is I guess the true ruler right of Mandalore. But unlike her sister, like you say, she wasn't an idealist. She wasn't a pacifist at all. But Bo-Katan is a realist. And I think that this line and this expression of unsurety uh, really does speak to that realism. And um, I love her character so much. And I really hope that we see more of it in The Mandalorian. Honestly, I think it would go a long way. Yeah, I do too. I really enjoyed. I don't think we got as much of her as we thought we would in these episodes, but I really think that she was used really well as kind of this 
other orbit around Ahsoka and Maul on Mandalore. I thought they used it really well. And yeah, I think that Katie Sackhoff did a really great job Mm -hmm. voice acting as well. And I, I think that if we, to be honest, if we got any more of the Ahsoka and Bo-Katan conversations or anything, I think it would have taken away from the characters that we've been with for longer. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I'm, I'm okay with how much we've gotten, but uh, I think you're totally right in that this moment, this this like this dread that you feel in in the those scenes with Bogotan as the, the handoff um, and the the finishing of whatever the Republic was doing on Mandalore, I think was really interesting. And you're so right that any other show might be a little bit heavy handed in the conversation there, but instead we have someone who is unfinished like you say and she has a long way to go even in, in rebels right mm-hmm. so it's it, it was it was perfect yeah yeah it really was i really liked it mm-hmm. and i guess may- we might see her next <laughs> we might i mean who knows like, yeah <laughs> who i don't knows? know i don't know <laughs> i'm not watching anything if i don't think they're even going to come out with anything i mean it's saturday right now when we're recording it and the episode airs on monday by the way i'm definitely staying up it's happening Okay. <laughs> I think. I don't know. Charlotte sleeps this know. every week. I just I every can't, single week. I can't even express to you guys Charlotte's sleep schedule these days. I I, I can't get into it. <laughs> I mean, who else relates though? Who is sleeping normally right now? I am. <laughs> oh, you always sleep normally. Always. <laughs> you look like a really good sleeper. <laughs> I have never been like that. I just and it's just after I got better because I used to. This is TMI, but when I was sick, I was on a great sleep schedule because I was so tired all the time because I was sick. So I was like, at least I'm not staying up until like three in the morning. Last night, I stayed up until four for no reason. Oh, my God. (laughs) So this is why I'm like, on Sunday, I got to stay up. (laughs) Okay, but you said that on Thursday night, you were like, I'm going to stay up. You made me feel bad for not wanting to stay up. And then you went to bed at (laughs) 2.30. You were like so close. <laughs> and, you didn't. and I just, I'm like, just give yourself a normal sleep schedule. There were like two weeks of this quarantine period where I was just like not eating. I was just forgetting to eat. I was having, I had a really horrible eating schedule. And you and our friend Savannah got so mad at me and would like text me all the time about eating and chastising me. But like, you're on this horrible sleep schedule. <laughs> Here I am being self destructive. <laughs> love that for me (laughs) there was one time i think it was last week or the week before who knows um and you you were like yeah i got really great sleep last night and i was like what you're like yeah i went to bed like by midnight and i was like that's so strange because i literally have a text from you at 2 30 and like three dms from 3 15 in the morning (laughs) and you're like oh Huh. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, what's that about? <laughs> yep, not sure. <laughs> Don't have any answers for you on that one. Probably is exactly as, how it seems. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> listeners, after you leave us a review on iTunes, at Charlotte on Twitter and encourage her to try and return to even a little bit of a better sleep schedule <laughs> it's not gonna happen it's a lost cause the thing it's is faded to fail just like the jedi 
You're not even trying. <laughs> you're just That's like, true. All right, That's now true. we're getting too personal. <laughs> I think that is going to wrap up this week's episode. Uh, we do have the next episode, the last episode of both the Siege of Mandalore oh and the Clone Wars. We're just going to blow right past that, though. It's coming on Monday. Get yourselves ready. I know I'm not. And I'm in denial. It's not yeah. happening. It's not. <laughs> and, um, they can't yeah, take this away from me. <laughs> you pry it out of my cold, my cold hands. deprived hands. <laughs> um, you can find us on Twitter. The podcast is at SkyTuckersPod. My handle is at Caitlin Plusher and Charlotte's is at Clarity. And like I said, if you haven't left us a review on iTunes and you want to take a second to do that, we would really appreciate it. We've had a bump in reviews in the past couple weeks. And thank you so much to everyone who has taken the time to review us. It really helps our show out and it really does. It just gives us like a really lovely feeling. And um, we really do appreciate everyone who has taken a second to do that. So thank you very much, genuinely. And if you're interested in other ways to support our show, you can head on over to our Patreon and check out our reward tiers there. Yeah, and I want to actually give two shout outs. One to our amazing Patreon exclusive Discord, which has always been so great lately, but also talking about the Clone Wars and that Discord has been so fun. And if you're in the Discord, if you're a Patreon like shout out to you because it always makes me so happy. I love being on our Sky Talkers Discord. Mm-hmm. And second, I want to shout out these awesome patrons. Bethany, Joey, Jason, BJ, Amy, Chuck, Kirsty, Lauren, Edith, Tom, Patrick, Matthew, Casey, Caitlin, Camille, Jared, Rebuild, Miss Art, and Adam. Thank you guys so much for supporting us. Your support really does mean the world. Yes, thank you guys so much. And until next time, may the force be with you. May the force be with you. Sky Talkers is a member of the Star Wars Escape Pods Network. Explore more great content and get to know our sister shows at WeAreEscapePods.com and on Twitter at WeAreEscapePods, the Star Wars Escape Pods Network, promoting positivity in fandom.